And we're going to begin here in heaven with other people. How could it be joyful when I've got challenges with other people? Let me ask you this. Anybody have challenges with other people? Anybody have no challenges with anybody? Lord, we thank you for this time. I ask that you bless, encourage, and lift up in Jesus' name. Amen. So indeed, this is where we're going. We're going to be in heaven with other people. We're going to see how this works out, who we're going to be with, what our relationships are going to be like in heaven compared to what we have here on earth. And we're also going to see the kind of places that we are going to be meeting one another in heaven. And if you were with us last time, we already established that heaven is a real place. It's not a a, a non-location. I mean, would that be weird? You get caught up to meet the Lord in a non-location, and non—you're just kind of like floating. Oh, for a, that'd be that'd be weird. I think that's what the devil wants us to think. But in John chapter 14, Jesus said, "Where I am going, there you may be." Where and there imply from Jesus Himself a real physical place that He has been working on for two thousand years. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of good contractors out there. And there's some bad contractors out there too. Jesus is the perfect contractor, and he's been working on that place for a long, long, long time. But Randy Alcorn says this. He writes, imagine you're part of a NASA team preparing for a five-year mission to Mars. After a period of extensive training, the launch date finally arrives. As the rocket lifts off, one of your fellow astronauts says to you, what do you know about Mars? Imagine shrugging your shoulders saying, nothing. We never talked about it. I guess we'll find out when we get there. (laughs) It's unthinkable, isn't it? It's inconceivable that your training would not have included extensive study of and preparation for your ultimate destination. Then he continues, I believe there's one central explanation for why so many of God's children have such a vague, negative, and uninspired view of heaven. And he says, the work of Satan. Jesus said of the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Some of Satan's favorite lies are about heaven. Revelation 13.6 tells us the satanic beast opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and to slander those who live there. And he wants to distract us from heaven. So, so many people, even Christians, are really clueless on what heaven is. They just think, well, when I die, I'm going to heaven, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be good. But I'm not so sure, because I really don't know what it's like. And I think Hemet is quite awesome, so I just want to stay here in Hemet forever and ever and ever. (laughs) Hemet is heaven. I've seen the bumper sticker. (laughs) I'm going to give everybody that bumper sticker for Christmas. Think of this, we cannot desire what we cannot imagine, right? The devil doesn't want us to desire heaven. He wants us to think at best, heaven is a fairy tale. So you imagine you're taking a trip to Mars. Of course you're going to know everything about it that you possibly can, including how on earth are you going to get there? Why Would you not do this about heaven? 
that place, we know how we're getting there, by the grace of God. But what is that place going to be like? So Revelation chapter 21 tells us this. I'm not going to read all of it, just a few verses. Uh, John writes, and he says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away also. There was no more sea. And then I, John, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done, with an, no, with an exclamation mark. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Ah, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Wow, that sounds great, the first seven verses. You come to that last one, you're like, look at it, I want to be on the right side. How do I get there? That's what I want to know. I get there by Jesus Christ. What is it going to be like? It's like everything else that we just read. No more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. God is our God. We will be with him and we will be his people and he is our God. So with that, just to get us started, let, let's look at this. Heaven is a beautiful place, streets of gold, no more tears, no morgues, none of that kind of stuff. But when it comes to people, let's, let's start here. As we are in heaven with other people in this beautiful place, what will our relationship be like? First of four questions. I think that's a fair question. I even think that's a good question to ask. What will our relationships be like? We often say, other people are the problem. I'm not the problem. It's them. You ever notice whenever you have any kind of discrepancy or issue with somebody else, they're always wrong? So if you had 100 people in a room, how could everybody is thinking the other person is wrong? That's kind of doesn't work too well. You have two people in disagreement. This person thinks they're wrong. This person thinks they're wrong. And they both think that they themselves are right. I like this because we have a real-life illustration of this issue, even in the church with people. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, the Bible says, verse 24, our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. That is so good. I need that. I want it. I won't have to go to the gym. I've got a lonely body. In heaven, I don't have to work out. I don't have to do cardio. I don't have to do anything but eat and enjoy life. He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Stand strong. 
We're going home. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're getting a new body. This is good, right? You see his direction? And then all of a sudden he says, I implore Euodia and I implore Cynthia to be of the same mind. What's going on with these two ladies, Euodia and Cynthia? They are not of the same mind. They are in disunity. I know I've studied the book of Philippians. They've got this going on. They are not getting along with each other. I know that. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Help them to get along. They're going to tear apart the church. They're going to tear apart each other. So I look at that and I think, okay, here's the reality of it. The words of J. Vernon McGee. Certainly you've all seen these words before. To live above with saints we love, that will be the glory. To live below with saints we know, that's another story. Right? Sometimes we don't always see eye to eye, do we? So that's the background of the book of Philippians. We're going to heaven, this beautiful place described in Revelation chapter 21. While we are here on earth, Philippians chapter 3 and 4, and we got problems with each other. With that, think with me on this. According to what the Bible teaches about heaven, we learn of certain things that will not be in heaven. And we can understand how much better our relationships will be by knowing what not will be in heaven. You ready? Listen to this. There will be no more death or suffering, no funeral homes, no psychiatric wards, no abuse of any sort, no rape, no missing children, no drug rehab centers, no prejudice, no killings, no worry, nor depression, or loss of jobs, or houses, or cars, no bad credit, no wars, no thieves, no locks on doors, no alarms, no pain, no boredom, no arthritis, no handicaps, no cancer, no taxes, no weeds in the front lawn, and on down the list. I like that list of no mores. Also, as Randy Alcorn even adds to it, he points out in his book on heaven, there will be close friendships but no clicks, laughter but no put-downs, intimacy but not temptation to immorality. He conti continues, imagine mealtimes full of stories, laughter and joy, without fear of anger, gossip, hurt feelings and jealousies, or anything that eclipses joy. Such will our relationships in heaven be. Wow, I like that. To me, that sounds good. I don't know about y'all. Acts chapter 3, when Peter was speaking to the Jewish uh, religious leaders, he spoke of the time in heaven when there is the restoration of all things. All things are restored. And in Matthew chapter 19, when Peter asked the question about being faithful and leaving all to follow Christ, Jesus responded and said, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And we just read in Revelation chapter 21, where the Lord said, Behold, I make all things new. We have the restoration of all things, Acts chapter 3, the renewal of all things, Matthew chapter 19, and the Lord himself says, behold, I make all things new, and it is going to be glorious. The term new comes from this Greek word, kainos, and it means different from the usual, I like this, impressive and superior. A new heaven and a new earth. A new body, 
a new mind. I Listen, I need a new mind. Does anybody in here need a new mind? Man, I, please, Lord, put a, take something and give me a new mind. I mean, I remember, I was talking with somebody the other day. It is so weird. You hear a song, I'm almost 60, right? So I heard songs back in the 1960s. They won't go away. From every Led Zeppelin song I used to listen to, to Gilligan's Island and and Batman, the original, da 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 you know, the whole thing, it's all stuck here. <laughs> I need a new mind, amongst other things that are bad. They need to go away. You hit the delete button in your trash button in the computer, and it's somewhere. You hit the delete button in your brain, and it's, it can pop up at any time, can't it? Gilligan's Island. That song pops up when I'm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Just sit right back in your here. Tell there I'm going to the Sea of Galilee. And I sang it on film. But we're going to have a new everything, a new heaven, a new earth, a new body, a new mind, a new creation. And he meant all things new, including relationships. Praise the Lord. It will be a renewal of all things, a restoration of all things, and our relationships will be different from before. They will be different, new, different from the usual. This is the usual. Yodia and, and Cynthia in the church, right? We get along with some people, and nobody do we get along with all the time. I got proof. Anybody in here married? You afraid to raise your hand? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so different from the usual, will be different, praise the Lord, and it will be impressive, it will be superior, even our relationships. All things are made new. So number one, what will our relationships be like? Number two, who will we have relationships with? Everyone that is in heaven. And that means anyone that received the forgiveness that Christ offered to them. Um, I, I, you might think, well, there's going to be like billions of people throughout the course of time that are going to be there. How are you going to know them all? Listen, you're going to be there for eternity. You know, you're going to, I mean, you know what I mean? If you like golfing, you'll probably be able to golf and do good. I don't know. I'm looking forward to a renewal of my relationships with old friends that I never see anymore. With people that hurt me, there will be no more hurt. I'm looking forward to sitting down at a heavenly cafe. Yes, I believe there's going to be heavenly cafes. And being blessed in joyful conversations with people that while on earth, there's just too much strain between us. I'm also looking forward to seeing those in heaven that I hurt. Um, there are people that I hurt unintentionally, and although I know they forgive me, it's uncomfortable for us to be around each other. Um, they say, yeah, you're forgiven, but you, you can sense that. I'm looking forward to allowing them to sit with me at the heavenly cafe and all that strain and all that stress and all that ugliness will be gone in heaven it will be joyous and i think folks we need to be honest with ourselves we have all been hurt and there's not a person in here that hasn't hurt somebody else and when you start to balance that out you start to go okay that can help me to understand i was hurt by them but you know what i hurt that person too and that helps you to get into the forgiveness mode of things because we kind of come out on both ends of that. I praise God in heaven, both sets, all of us, will be a heavenly relationship. Um, but why will it work so well? 
um, because there's no more sin in heaven. Think of it this way. Death is abnormal. Death is not what God desired, right? I mean, it's normal now, but it wasn't intended to be this way. Death tears us apart. Uh, Death tears apart what God has made. Sin tears apart what God has made. And God has made us to fellowship with one another. To get along. And also to know Him. Think of it like this. It was also Randy Alcorn, who, who by the way, I ripped off a lot of his material for this. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Our eternal inability to sin has been purchased in Christ's blood. And our greatest deliverance in heaven will be from ourselves. Amen. Um, I think it was Tim Keller, I just read a quote from him the other day that said something along the lines of um, uh, the greatest enemy we have is ourselves. We will be face to face with our Lord. We will see the wounds on his hands and feet, the wounds he received because he died on the cross for our sins. We will see his nail-pierced side. Forever we will remember why we are in heaven, because he forgave us of sins that were otherwise unforgivable. And, And although others hurt us, we also hurt others. But we will forever know that we hurt Christ, and the payment for our hurt of Christ was his death on the cross. There'll be no more sin, so we're gonna get along and will be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Uh, if you know this, the story of Jesus when he resurrected and showed himself to the apostles, remember Thomas specifically, he still had the wounds in his hands and his side. Forever he is going to have those, and forever we're going to be reminded, God, you love me. You forgave me. A third question, what will it be like when we see others in heaven? It's going to be better than a great reunion. Here's some good news. God doesn't give up on his original plan. He doesn't give up on us. After all, he sent his son. I I, I think that's so cool. All we have to do is be willing to receive him and willing to go his direction and repent and say, Lord, I have messed up. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to surrender. That's all we got to do. But mankind in general is so much, I don't want to do that. We don't do that. We don't want to do that. But praise God, he doesn't give up on us. God loves us, and he sent his son for us. Listen, a correct knowledge of heaven is life-sustaining doctrine. In, in uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I love that. Be of good cheer. God doesn't give up on us. A correct knowledge of heaven is life-sustaining doctrine. In commenting on this, one author rightly noted, if you're a Christian suffering with great pains and losses, Jesus said, be of good cheer. The new house is nearly ready for you. Moving day is coming. I love that. Moving day is coming. The dark winter is about to be magically transformed into spring. One day you'll be home for the first time. I like that. Moving day is coming. Uh, About moving day, 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is the New Living Translation, Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, who have moved. Moving day came for them. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. In other words, there's a home waiting for us in heaven. We're going to be reunited there. In fact, at the end of chapter 4, the apostle said, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Why? Because it's so discouraging and depressing and difficult when a loved one passes away. And God says, man, you don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. Moving day is coming, and man, you are going to this place that is indeed glorious. Our parting is not the end of our relationships, but it's only an interruption. We have not lost those that we love because we know where they are, right? They've moved. They're not just gone from Hemet. They're gone to heaven. We know where they are. They're not lost. David said when his son died, I will go to him. So it is with us. We know where they are, and we will go to him. We will go to her. We will go to them. In death, we temporarily lose our connection. And all of a sudden, that day, can you imagine what that day is going to be like? I, I, I can. Because I think about it. Because it is life-sustaining doctrine for me. It will be a great and glorious reunion of loved ones, parents and children separated by death or other tragic things that happen in this world. Can you imagine the blessing it's going to be for a parent? This is one of the things that grieves my heart more than anything else on this planet when I hear of a child that's been taken. It just, it just, it just hurts when I see that. And I think I couldn't imagine that as a parent. I couldn't imagine what the child is going through. And, and all the different things awful just it hurts to think about and then i think wow being reunited in heaven and saying here they are never to be separated and when jesus comes back he's going to right all the wrongs and everyone that needs to be judged is going to be judged and i say oh come quickly lord jesus we will become forever friends and family with people that we have never met before. We will meet people from every part of this world and enjoy the family relationship. We will be friends with people from Uganda and China and Russia and Mexico. We will be friends with people from the Philippines and Vietnam and the Sudan and Iran and Israel and Egypt. We will be friends with Moses and Adam and Eve and Samson and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the faithful Israelites that kept their faith in the wilderness. I look and I go, man, I just, I don't know. I think it's cool. Number, number, I get a little excited. Fourth and final question is this one. What, here it is, ready? What will our meeting places be like? You know, like when you're meeting with your friends and stuff like that? I, I like this. Let me go back to Revelation 21, 22, 21. Um, verse 21 says this. Uh, there, there's 12 gates in heaven. Uh, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, and each individual gate was one pearl, and the street of the city of heaven was pure gold, like transparent glass. I, I love that thought. So we have these descriptions, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. Street of heaven like gold, like transparent glass. And then you drop down to uh, uh, chapter 22. Uh, and, and he showed me, this is John being showed by an angel. He showed me a pure river of water of life, 
clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So we read in here elsewhere that there's no more sea. There's no more sea as we know it. Doesn't mean there's no more water. Because right here it says there's a pure water, like a river of life. What is that? We're going to see this in a second because I think it's, it's just like, wow. This is clear as crystal. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of a street and on either side of the river, ah, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, and each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I, I, I like that. But I've got to borrow some more words from Randy Alcorn here, because just take a, take a walk with me as he walks us through this, uh, the whole idea of heaven. This is so cool. He writes, I imagine... Our first glimpse of heaven will cause us to similarly gasp in amazement and delight. That first gasp will likely be followed by many more as we continually encounter new sights in that endlessly wonderful place. And that will be just the beginning because we will not see our real eternal home, the new earth, until after the resurrection of the dead. And it will be far better than anything we've seen. So look out a window, take a walk, Talk with your friend. Use your God-given skills to paint or draw or build a shed or write a book. But imagine it, all of it, in its original condition. The happy dog with the wagging tail, not the snarling beast beaten and starred. The flowers unwilted. The grass undying. The blue sky without pollution. People smiling and joyful, not angry, depressed, and empty. If you're not in a particularly beautiful place, close your eyes and envision the most beautiful place you've ever been complete with palm trees, raging rivers, jagged mountains, waterfalls, and snowdrifts. Think of friends or family members who love Jesus and are with him now. Picture them with you, walking together in this place. All of you have powerful bodies, stronger than those in the Olympic decathlete. I like that, yeah. You're laughing, playing, talking, and reminiscing. You reach up to, to a tree to pick an apple or an orange. And you take a bite. It's so sweet. It's startling. You've never tasted anything so good. Now you see someone coming toward you. It's Jesus with a big smile on his face. You fall to your knees and worship. He pulls you up and he embraces you. At last, you're with the person you were made for in the place you were made to be. Everywhere you go, there will be new people and places to enjoy, new things to discover. Oh, what's that you smell? It's a feast. A party's ahead. woo -hoo! And you're invited. There's exploration and work to be done, and you can't wait to get started. I, I love how he, he gives us that word picture. Based upon what the Bible tells us, I, I uh, have a good idea of what it's going to be like. Here on, on earth, I might go for a picnic with my wife or family and friends or whatever, and sit by a lake and look at the hills and the trees and and just thoroughly enjoy everything that's out there. And then and just, oh, it's, it's just fabulous. And then the ants come and the, and then the mosquitoes come. And you got to get out that, that spray. And then you think, I got to get out of this place. And then you see this coyote over there that's looking at you. And you're, like, and you're on your way to your car and a snake's chasing. And you're like, man, it's a good picnic spoil. <laughs> 
Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. What makes us think that in heaven we won't be picnicking? You ever think of that? And whatever it is there is far superior to what we have now. Remember what all things made new is? Superior. Above the usual. Wow. We will enjoy our time by the river of life that flows from the throne of God. For God is the great artist and source of all life and joy and the one that satisfies all our needs. What would make us think that heaven wouldn't be infinitely greater with so much more beauty than we have on earth? It's a lie of the devil that makes people think of such things. And the tree of life with the 12 fruits for every month, um, I mentioned this last week, I'm, I'm thinking it implies there's 12 different seasons in heaven. I think that's pretty cool. We can't imagine it, what they would be, because we've never imagined anything outside of four seasons. But could there be 12 seasons? And with that, I believe also that this is the same tree that was located in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. It's relocated into heaven. You get to picnic by that tree with whoever you're picnicking with. What if it was Abraham? Wouldn't that be crazy? Could be with your spouse now and you're up there in heaven saying, let's go out for a picnic. This is cool. We don't have teenagers anymore. They're all grown. I don't know, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> it's like, uh, you get to picnic with Jesus, eating various fruit. But, uh, but I want you to think it's even more than just one tree. This says tree of life. Ezekiel says this. Uh, note, sometimes you're going to be outdoors. I forgot to show you that a few minutes ago. But we will be outdoors. Um, Ezekiel says this, thinking of the outdoors, along the bank of the river, Ezekiel 47, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. Ah, we will be eating in heaven. Um, they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. We have the healing of the nations and the, uh, and the millennial kingdom, but also we have, um, it appears that in heaven with the tree of life, that we will need to eat it. And what it does is just a reminder that we are always dependent on God. People will say, why, why, there, why would there be this tree that we have to eat the leaves of? We're always going to be dependent on on our Lord. We're going to see the wounds in his hands, his feet, his side, the, the marks from the crown of thorns, and we're going to be dependent on him. Thank you, Jesus. I also believe we're probably going to be vegetarians in heaven, but, ow, ow that hurt. Ow, man, don't hit a metal pulpit on the corner with your hand. It's not good. So it just is what it is. So, but back to the, that's probably because I said vegetarian in heaven. God just smite me. This is what I think. What if there, because I love steak. Does anybody here like steak? Oh, okay, this guy. What if, I meant, what if there is a steak tree in heaven? You'd grow ribeyes. Wouldn't that be cool? Ribeye right on the tree. Now that, why not? Do you know why not? I bet you can't put up a good argument for that one, all you vegans out there. But listen to this. William um, Hendrickson comments on these thoughts, 
And he says the term tree of life is collective, just like avenue and river. The idea is not that there's just one single tree, but an entire park with rows of trees on the riverbanks. And the idea that all the streets of the city in heaven are paved with gold, and there are rivers of water of life and parks and parks and more parks. Well, uh, we can only imagine. So it's not just Main Street that's paved with street of gold that's pure like transparent glass. It's all the streets of heaven and parks and parks and parks. I mean, can you imagine hills? I started imagining these things. Think of, now think of this. So back to the, the whole stake tree. Why not? So, so, so think of this. If, uh, if something is not sinful on earth, then can we expect to see it in heaven? Right? So I, I, I think so. I see no reason why we won't ride bikes. Are bikes sinful? Have you ever thought of that? Some of you are laughing at me. Listen, I'm going to be a good bike rider in heaven. Right now, it's not pretty, unless I'm going downhill, which might not be pretty at the end, but... But I see no right reason why we won't be riding bikes along the streets of gold by the banks of the river, stopping to enjoy fruit from the tree. You're riding your bike, here's my fruit, Woohoo! It only makes sense to me that we will sit at the parks and enjoy God's glorious super creation, because it will be a super creation, much, much more than we do now, without the picnic ants and the mosquitoes and the other things that can annoy you. Uh, taking hikes with friends will be out of this world. Stopping on hillsides and worshiping the Lord and then suddenly he shows up in your presence. I imagine I will be enjoying time at a heavenly cafe. Um, did you know there's going to be wine in heaven? I, I know that because there's a marriage supper of the Lamb and Jesus talks about, yeah, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I see you there again. The Bible's very clear. But you aren't going to get drunk in heaven. Um, will there be coffee in heaven? I, did I talk about this last time? I, well, I'm going to talk about it again. Why would there not be coffee in heaven, right? Is coffee sinful? Men will say, oh, that's bad, you know, and, and whatever. Um, Randy Alcorn speaking on this says, Paul wrote in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Does everything include coffee? Okay, well, all right. You guys are, you guys are easy. This is great. So uh, God made coffee trees. God made coffee beans and on down the list. Men may corrupt things, but in its created state, why wouldn't there be things like coffee in heaven to enjoy over conversations with friends? And if you think this through, you just, that's just scratching the surface of what other things um, that we do not even know about will be there in heaven to eat and to drink and to enjoy. I, I, for me, I, I, I think it's just so cool. Imagine all these different things and getting along with everybody. That's going to be grand. People will like me in heaven. No more angry emails. <laughs> and those people that blog on my Sunday night messages that are mean, no more of that. So sometimes we'll be outdoors, sometimes we'll be indoors. We're almost done. In John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, 
I would have told you, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Uh, we don't have time to get into the word mansions and what it means uh, here. Uh, we can save that for another time. I'd like to talk a lot more about heaven on Sunday night sometime. But um, for now, we can rest assured that our Lord doesn't just have a mansion. He has a royal palace that is beyond the best royal palaces and best mansions that are here on this planet. Uh, I can think of some of the, the beautiful houses. Look at that. Isn't that pretty? I like houses by lakes and pictures of them. I think they're really, really pretty. That thing's big. That's like a mansion. Look at that. That's really big. Wow. Man. Look at that. That's a nice small little place. Little summer house for somebody, I'm sure. <clears throat> I, I mentioned this last week. Listen, God is not in heaven looking down at mansions that people build on this earth and palaces and royal palaces. He's not up in heaven thinking to himself, I never thought of something that nice. I better go down and look at the plans for that. Jesus, let's get to work on this plan. It's not going to happen, right? I mean, these, we're fallen and we try to create these things. Listen, no, it's no, uh, not at all. Um, I've had the opportunity over the last couple of years to meet some people who are of great wealth. One was a billionaire. And um, I pulled up to his gate, and, and uh, you know, some people just got a lot of money. And we pulled up in our Ford Flex, and I thought, what am I doing in this part of the world? But anyways, uh, another place I pulled up in my Kia, and um, so, you know, whatever. Um, but I look and think, you know, the, no matter what there is of this world, doesn't compare to what God has. When we get to heaven, we will not be fasting due to sin and selfishness, something else, and the need to de deny ourselves. You want to know what else we're going to be doing in heaven? We're going to be feasting. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, I know I talk a lot about food, probably a little too much here at church, but um, the, the Bible is loaded with feasting. Have, have you noticed that? So, so think of it like this. The Jews, they've got it down. I mean, the Bible gives you the, the, the way to follow. You have the Shabbat every single week. Every week is Thanksgiving. When you go to, to Israel in a Shabbat, Friday sundown to Saturday uh, sundown, man, it is, it is a glorious time. And you go to these hotels, it's like Thanksgiving every single week. And you're looking and they're having fun. Everybody's into music. Uh, the folks of the Jewish people over there, they are so into music, and it is so cool. And there's food, and there's fun, and there's fellowship, and there's music. And then you got, you got all these other feast days, the Feast of Tabernacles, you have Passover, you have, you have Purim, you have all these other feast days on top of the every week having, having a, a Shabbat. Uh, for us, we got Christmas and Thanksgiving. You're thinking, I mean, it's nice and all, and then Easter too, yeah, we, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, so there, you know, we, <laughs> but I mean, seriously. So, but when you start looking at it and you start looking at heaven and you start realizing, I, I mean, it's so cool to, to start, you think of the singing. You, I, I have friends that like to sing and I wish I could. You guys want to hear me? <laughs> wow, that was rather <laughs> definitive. Um, but it is cool to just, Dude, this is the way God designed it to be. Um, it really is glorious. 
But our Christmases, our Thanksgivings, they fall so short of all these things that we're going to be doing in heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb, just to kick it all off. Wow. Can you say? I'll just close with this thought. God sacrificed his own son for us. He will not abandon us. He's not going to leave us here and say, oops, I forgot. Well, Jesus, yeah, it was real for other people, but yeah, not you. You trust him. You surrender to him. You repent of your sin. This is for you. We will see each other. We will be able to have genuine love for everyone. We will like each other because we've been forgiven. Most of all, we will be in heaven with our Lord. I like that. We will even like each other. You know, a lot of times, oh, I love them in the Lord. What you really mean is I can't stand them, and I don't want to see them, but I love them in the Lord. Yeah, right. Doesn't work that way. I, um, I read a quote this morning. It said something to the effect of, you only love God as much as the person you love the least. You ever think of that? John said, you say you love God, but you don't even love your own brother who you can see. Yeah, something's wrong there, right? And you start looking at that and you say, oh God, I thank you that you forgave me. I'm going to go to heaven. And in the meantime, work on me. And in heaven, man, our relationships are going to be good. Um, here's a closing thought. We don't like to think about death. Yet worldwide, three people die every second, 180 every minute, nearly 11,000 every hour. If the Bible is right about what happens to us after death, it means more than 250,000 people every day go to either heaven or hell. But this is for anyone who wants to be forgiven. What hope there is, amen, for anyone who says, here I am, Lord. These are the promises for those who are surrendered.